Dear brothers and sisters in our, in our risen Lord Jesus, I'm not much of a music guy. I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a piccolo and a, and a clarinet. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you what a G scale is or how to play one. Even my own mother, who was a piano teacher, she gave up on me, trying to teach me after not even a year of trying. It's pretty bad, I think. And my brothers and I, we probably could have made a really awesome family band. We would have had everything, drums and guitar, a saxophone, keyboard, but nope, I let them all down. I don't play any musical instruments. I guess I just don't really have the mind for it or something. And as bad as I am at, at music and playing musical instruments, I think even I understand this. That if you're going to play an instrument, it, it better work. I mean, you have to get one that's not broken. And if you're going to play an instrument, you want to play the right instrument for the right job, for the right setting. I mean, right? A, a guitar with three strings, with, without missing three strings, that's bad. Or a piano that's not tuned correctly, that's no good. Maybe choosing a tuba solo for a wedding wouldn't go over very well. Bringing a fiddle into a jazz club is going to be out of, out of place. And I'm guessing an orchestra is not going to want to switch out all their flutes with kazoos. Probably not going to work. Even, even a guy who doesn't know anything about music should know this kind of stuff. You've got to have the right instrument for the right setting, and you've got to have an instrument that works. As obvious as this is, you know, sometimes it seems like God himself doesn't understand the correct use of instruments. We're not talking about musical instruments here, but instruments for proclaiming God's message. Saul of Tarsus is a pretty good example of this. I mean, no one would have expected Saul to be the greatest evangelist of all time. And Saul was, was the ringleader of the, the one who's persecuting Christians. How could he become a witness for Jesus? And still, God, he uses Saul as his chosen instrument to bring the gospel to, to many, many people. God brings Saul, the persecutor of Jesus, and turns him into Paul, the proclaimer of Jesus. Takes him from trying to destroy God's church to building God's church. This is like God taking a tuba and composing the most beautiful wedding solo ever heard. It's, it's like showing up with a bluegrass fiddle and getting a standing ovation at a jazz club. God can even turn the sound of kazoos into something resembling flutes. Maybe God knows more about using the right instruments than even we do. Paul is evidence of that. Paul's the greatest turnaround story, maybe, in the Bible. But Paul's story really is not as different from ours as it might seem. God gives us a new calling. He, he calls us out of blindness. He calls us as his chosen instruments. God does this not because we wanted it, but because he wanted it. He does this for us, just like he did for Saul. 
And speaking of Saul, we should probably be clear on one thing that Saul, later known as Paul, he, he is nowhere even close to switching sides at the time that he heads on this road to Damascus. Saul is a Christian hunter. He wants to round them up, imprison them, and maybe even have them murdered for spreading rumors about this Jesus guy who supposedly rose from the dead. Saul thinks he's doing God a favor as he stands there holding the coats of people who are brutally stoning Stephen the disciple to death for talking about Jesus. The very air Paul, Saul breathed was threats and murder against followers of the way, believers in Christ. And now, on his latest mission, he's going quite the distance to track down some Christians. He, he gets letters from the chief priest himself to go all the way from Jerusalem to Damascus to put an end to the, the Christians there in that city. Uh, this is like over 135 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. Probably takes Saul like six days to travel there. Clearly, he's committed to this search and destroy mission against followers of the way. But God has a different plan for Saul. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Before getting called to be a gospel witness, Saul first gets called out by Jesus. He, his sin gets called out. Why, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And Jesus doesn't even need to say anything else. All at once, Saul, he realizes now, I've been wrong all this time. He realizes Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Messiah. He really is risen from the dead. And so Saul, you can picture him cowering on the ground, probably assuming, I'm going to get struck down by Jesus for being so hostile to him and his followers. And maybe that's what Saul deserved. But it's not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus strikes Saul with blindness. And then he gives him a new mission. He says, now go into the city and there you'll be told what you must do. Why strike Saul blind? Maybe Saul's physical blindness would let him realize the spiritual blindness he'd been living in. His blind eyes could maybe now focus on how blind his heart had been. And you get the sense that this event on the road to Damascus, it, it really hit him hard. I mean, it's embarrassing. First, he's got to get led into the city by the hand. He's supposed to lead them there. And then he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. Going without water for three days is, is dangerous. Like, don't try that. These outward actions Saul is doing... Maybe give us a hint on, on what's going on inside Saul. The, the struggle he must be, be wrestling with here, that deep remorse, the guilt at what he's been doing. 
Saul, now that he knows he's wrong, that Jesus is who he said he is, he can't just kind of flippantly say, oh, Jesus has forgiven me, so what if I persecuted his church? No, Saul's going to wrestle with that guilt pretty much the rest of his life. And maybe for those three days that Saul was blind, maybe, maybe the only thing he saw was the face of Stephen. Remembering how he, Saul himself, stood there smiling as the young man's brutally murdered with his blessing. And I wonder how many other faces of, of people crept into his mind, people that he'd led to be imprisoned or murdered too. Because Saul was wrong, Jesus was alive, he's got to have a complete turnaround. Everything he believed and cherished before, he's got to have a complete break with his past. No wonder he didn't eat or drink for three days. This is tearing him up inside. Saul was struck with blindness so that he could be called out of blindness. Now, as much as we hate to admit it, we, we were once blind too. We once used to be blind to, to God's love for us, blind to his Savior that he gave us, his Son. We were enemies of God, even hostile to him. Saul, the same guy, wrote this in Romans. The mind governed by the sinful flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Now, for, for most of us, thankfully, we can't probably remember a time like that when we used to be blind to God's love. I think a lot of us probably have been believers maybe since we were little children. Maybe we were baptized at a young age. The Holy Spirit kindled faith in our hearts with the word and the water. We learned those stories of what Jesus has done for us, turned us from his enemies into his friends. And even people before they come to faith, I think it'd be pretty easy to say, yeah, well, hey, at least I'm not doing what Saul was doing, not not putting followers of Christ in prison and stuff. I think that's true. Maybe the more likely thing is, you know, before coming to faith, I think everyone's got good intentions to, to live a good life, to do good things, but just maybe doesn't want to do things God's way. And maybe that's, that's kind of one of the things of unbelief that we don't even realize that we're lost. One of the most dangerous things. You don't realize you're even blind. Now, now, now that we are Christians, we are believers, okay, even, even now we still, we start to realize just how unlikely of candidates we are to be used as God's chosen instruments in the world. And by all rights, we really shouldn't qualify to have God call us. Our resumes don't look so good. Uh, every day we rebel against God's calling to live a holy life. We rebel against his calling to, to be lights of love for, for others in this world. There's that old, sinful, blind part of us that's still in there trying to call us back into the darkness. But God calls us out. He calls us out of the darkness into the light And he doesn't wait for us to stumble around in the dark to find him. He shines out to us. Remember, before, we we were hostile to God. It, It took an act of undeserved love from God for us to put our hostility aside 
for us to take up our new calling, to follow in God's way, to trust in his son Jesus, the way. But now, now we can see. Now we know the love God has for us. Now we we know this no-strings-attached kind of love that Jesus poured out for us on the cross. Now we see it. It's a wonderful sight. No longer blind. But God doesn't just call us out of something. He also calls us into something. He calls us out of blindness into something new. Something that we're called to be now. God's chosen instrument. And just look at how this turned out for Saul. Right? God, God took Saul, the persecutor of the way, and made him, made him Paul, the proclaimer of the way. And even that disciple, Ananias, he was, he was kind of skeptical about this sudden transformation of Paul. He, he doesn't actually question God and what he says, but you can tell he's, he's questioning God. Kind of comes across as, uh, Lord, you do know who this guy is. I mean, of all people, you want me to go to, to him? You do know why he's here, don't you, Lord? You sure about this? And notice the Lord doesn't really argue with Ananias. He's right. The Lord just says, go. And he gives this this striking statement that, that now Saul, public enemy number one, is actually now my chosen instrument. Okay. So Ananias, he, he does do as instructed. He goes as God's messenger to Saul. And then he says, he says his name. And he calls him brother. That must have been the best thing that Saul could have ever heard. After all he'd been through those three days wrestling with that guilt of what he had done, now here's someone, a believer, coming to him, calling him brother. He's adopted into the family of believers he once persecuted. And Saul, he's, he's not just now called as a believer. He's also called into a new role in God's plan, a, pr- a pretty big role as, as you come to know in the Bible. Saul, the persecutor, becomes Paul, one of the greatest proclaimers of the gospel. And he, he after he gains his vision back here in Damascus, he goes and be, he's baptized Then he stays in Damascus for a few more days and he actually turns around and preaches that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's just the beginning. Then Saul, he becomes the missionary to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, because God's love was for the whole world, all people. That's what Paul got to go and share. And yeah, he went quite a long ways in his efforts to stomp out Christianity from Jerusalem to Damascus, but he's about to go even further to the ends of the earth, doing the opposite. He's showing people the way to eternal life in Jesus. Our new calling as God's chosen instruments drives us to open the eyes of people stumbling with blindness in the dark. And maybe it seems like God, he, he could have chosen better instruments for the job. 
I mean, why doesn't God just have his angels come and share the gospel message? I mean, they'd probably mess it up a whole lot less than we would. Maybe people would actually listen to an angel. Why us? And Ananias was skeptical of Saul. Probably everyone has the right to be skeptical that, that we are used as God's instruments. We kind of question it too. Uh, God, uh, don't you know what I've done in my past? Don't you know my shortcomings every day? Don't you know I'm not qualified for this calling to proclaim your name? You sure about this, Lord? Maybe we're not the logical choice. But when we, forgiven sinners, get to witness to the life-changing, life-saving work of Jesus, it sure means a lot more to the people hearing it, doesn't it? It sure meant a lot to us. When we share the message of Jesus and what he's done for us, it's genuine. It's got some power behind it coming from, from who we used to be. I think you could make the case that we understand grace even better than an angel in heaven can. God loved us before we ever gave him a reason to. He sent his son to die for us. He loved us so much. And this is the love that God has for every person in the world. This is great. This means you can, can talk to anyone and with a straight face, you can tell them, God loves you. He forgives you. He gave you Jesus. God knew what he was doing when he called us and Saul to be his chosen instruments. Grace will stand out all the more considering who we used to be and who we still are sometimes. One of the best statements Paul ever made is, is right here in 1 Timothy. He said, Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. We confess those words with Paul. God uses flawed and broken instruments because they play best for others who are also flawed and broken. And even then, God can, can turn our maybe flawed-sounding voices into something beautiful. Even, even our kazoo-sounding voices can sound like harps and flutes when we share that message of Jesus with others. The message there is just maybe waiting to hear, like Saul was. Ananias called Saul brother, pulled him out of his blindness by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we get to do. That's our new calling. We get to call many brothers and sisters out of the dark with that word about our risen Savior Jesus. Amen.